This episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by the Therapy Reflection Journal. The Therapy Reflection Journal is your personal journal for your therapy experience. Whether you are just starting therapy for the first time or currently in therapy, you can utilize this journal throughout your process. This journal was designed for you to write down topics and themes that you and your therapist discuss throughout your counseling sessions. There's a place to keep track of your mood, things to work on in between sessions, and an entire place for you to reflect on what you and your therapist talked about. Take this journal with you consistently throughout your counseling experience to dig deeper and see growth in your mental health like never before. You can go to rosinrenee.com to purchase or the link is in the description box. Now let's start the show. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Rosalind Renee, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rosa Renee, and welcome back to another episode of the show. I'm super excited today because I'm interviewing one of my sisters, sis, from, um, so I know y'all have been hearing episodes here and there about these sisters that I met at the Find Your Voice Academy retreat um, from November 2019 with Tatum, and so I am interviewing another sister her name is Allison and we met at the retreat and I'm super excited about Allison's interview in in that she has such a scope around postpartum everything and she has an and she has a therapy experience and I just wanted her to come on here and talk about postpartum because even for me as I'm preparing to have my son in December I don't know anything really about postpartum depression, what it looks like. I've heard from like people. So I just want her to like talk about this. You all get a scope of like what it looks like for her and like some of the things that she did to help with it. So so say hey. Hi everybody. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) So Allison, um, so I want you to just tell us one, a little bit about you and what you do. And don't forget that you have a podcast. Yeah, I know, girl. You got to remember these things. Uh, (laughs) So my name is Allison Nick. Um, I am a wife, a mommy of two little people, um, small little people, Chaz. My little girl just turned two. My little boy turns four. And um, I am a side hustler with my business, The Calling FM, where we help moms find peace and purpose by being vulnerable about postpartum and our faith. Um, I also, I do have a podcast, like she said, it's the four moms podcast where we pretty much have these um, open and candid conversations about these things. Um, I, by the time this episode come out, my t-shirt line will be out. So I do have a, (laughs) I do have a t-shirt line that's all about moms declaring our motherhood and our postpartum. So that's super exciting. Um, 
and then my first baby, my um, my prayer journal, Search and Surrender, How to Simplify and Strategize Your Prayer Life. And so, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I'm, I am a full-time, uh, a full-time employee uh, at this time, but um, that's a whole another journey with postpartum chat. But it's been a really good experience. Um, I'm actually at a job now where it's more flexible and it's less mentally stressing, praise God. But um, yeah, that's that tis me, tis me in a nutshell. And I know this beautiful girl is about to be a mommy, or probably is a mommy by the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah, perfect, Michelle. Just, just perfect. Because you know, being pregnant, <laughs> having a baby, every day I'm like, there's so much I didn't know. You know, Child. I had no reason to go down those aisles in Target. <laughs> girl the diaper thing just the diaper the the diaper options but we're not gonna go on this tangent but the diaper options it's so many it's, it's like paper towels and toilet paper like i could save us all if they just made one if they all came together and made one diaper that works for all pages <laughs> i know that's not possible but my god so the more and farther along this journey the more I realized I had been sheltered and knowing things about babies. <laughs> people require so much. I'm yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm excited. So, yeah. So Allison knows all about baby boy and all that kind of stuff. Yes, um, girl. Tell us a little bit about postpartum, but, in, but also adding another layer to that. Tell us a little bit about your experience. So kind of overview what postpartum is um so for people who do and don't know and then talk about sure. your experience as well sure so postpartum literally means uh, the word literally means after birth um typically referring to a woman after she gives birth um but it can obviously um involve the men actually seven percent seven four percent of dads um experience postpartum um depression after having kids but Anywho, so that's the word postpartum. Um, postpartum depression is typically what people think about whenever you say the word postpartum. Um, and that kind of goes into the mental health aspect. So you kind of have your baby blues, which typically lasts for a few weeks after you have the baby. Um, most of the time it just deals with exhaustion, kind of your, your initial schedule change. Um, but kind of after a while, you kind of kick back into it, things start to level out and you get to be pretty good. With depression, obviously that adds a mental health component and um, you talk about most time, you know, anxiety and depression. Um, you're actually trying to figure out ways to kind of keep yourself on track. Most of the time, moms kind of get lost in the change in their in another layer of their job um, as moms, um, trying to balance different things and um, it involves you know not you not really taking care of yourself, but really getting lost in a lot of different aspects. So <clears throat> um, that kind of is a mental health part of it. And then there's another level, which is postpartum psychosis, which is rare. I think only about 10% of moms actually hit this level. But this is like complete mental breakdown. Like you, like it just it just oh you. <laughs> you kind of just get a little bit taken out in a sense. And it's very overwhelming to the part that it's like, you're not depressed. You're not anxious. You're on a whole different level where you really have to, um, if you haven't already had help like therapy or like, um, you know, having someone help you guide you through and help you break things down in your life, 
it's just that level. Most time people have to be, um, you know, taken to a hospital or maybe even on medication, which isn't a bad thing, but um, it's just a different layer of, it's just a, a different level um, of the postpartum depression, but there's different levels to it. And most moms endure um, the different levels after having a child. So yeah, my experience <laughs> with um, going through postpartum, it's kind of very with, um, both of my kids with Joseph, my firstborn, um, I think I had more of the baby blues. Initially, the few weeks afterwards, after having him, it was a schedule change. I was breastfeeding. I was up every two hours because he ate every two hours on the diet. Um, and it was, it was just, it was frustrating because you wake up to feed this baby and your husband over here sleep, snoring at the top of his lungs and I'm tired. And so what had to happen is that we had to have a schedule change. Um, so I started pumping. So on his like early morning feeding, like his 1 a.m., my husband who stays up, he's a night owl, would get up and he would give him the bottle. So at least I could have a good five to six hours of straight sleep uninterrupted. Um, so I would sleep from about 11 to about five. I would feed him before I would get, before I would get ready for work. And then we kind of just go from there. So after we figured that out and I was actually getting sleep. I was cool. I was cool because, <laughs> because I wasn't um, as tired, wasn't as exhausted. I kind of fell into the role. Um, you know, we both had some frustrations because at the time he was staying at home more because he uh, didn't have a job at that time. And so he probably dealt with more frustrations initially than I ever understood or experienced because, um, he was there more than I was. Um, so then we got pregnant with Gemma, uh, my little girl, and that was a completely different experience. I mean, it went to a pack that uh, so after I had Gemma, it was very hard because you have this toddler who's so used to having all this attention and you have this newborn whom you have to give all of your attention to. And uh, it was never a thing where he was jealous of her. He was just mad at us. Joseph was mad at us because us as parents, we weren't paying attention to him at all. Um, and so that was a little frustrating. But, um, yeah, after having her, I, I just definitely, I feel like I wanted to postpartum depression. I feel like I still have doubts of um, postpartum depression. And at the time, I was not diagnosed, but I have now with anxiety and depression and those sort of things. Um, but I, it was just very it was very different. I felt like I was just in like, like on a hamster wheel and just doing the same thing all the time. And, um, it was just, although she was a different baby, she slept for about four hours versus, versus Joseph sleeping for two. It was very hard to manage both of them, um, to figure things out. My husband and I were not in a good place. So you're having to be a wife over here and cater here. Um, you're having to be a mom to these two little people, um, it was just times where I would just, you have to, you have to take baths and give children baths, but then you just, you're never alone. <laughs> I was never alone. And it was just so much. And even at, at one point, well, at probably the first, I would say four to five months of Gemma being bored, I drank every time I breastfed her, she drank every four hours. So every time I breastfed her, I breastfed her, I was drinking as well. And so um, I had figured out towards the end of Joseph, me 
um, breastfeeding with Joseph that, okay, you can have a standard drink, and by the next time that you breastfeed, as long as you're not inebriated mentally, it's pretty much out of your system. So I learned that early on. And, or like 20, maybe like my eighth month of breastfeeding with him was when I started drinking um, with Joseph um, socially. But with Gemma, since I knew this information, it was almost immediately coming home. And since she drank every four hours, I knew I was good. <laughs> so I knew I was good. And so I would literally, every time she drank, I would take probably a shot or something. And it was even to a point where I was taking drinks to the bathroom to go take showers. Um, and then it probably wasn't until maybe three months into it that I realized my husband was drinking. He, he, you know, he's a man, he has some scotch or whatever and he gets home from work, but we were both drinking a lot during that time. And that was our way of coping with it. And I did not understand, or I didn't realize at the time until maybe Jim was like four months old. And I'm like, Oh, you're drinking too. You're oh didn't know because we were in such a uneasy space and that we weren't communicating as much. So, I mean, all these different layers, you know, have an effect. And then of course, you know, your typical, your, your body is all out of whack, trying to wear all types of wraps and, and all these types of things um, to kind of make your body <laughs> look and feel good. But um, it was just, it was just a lot. And so um, it wasn't until literally New Year's Eve, God has spoke to me and said, like, hey, you're gonna you're not gonna drink for the year 2019. 20, I was like, Oh. Okay, all right. And um so although I, I do feel like that was a coping mechanism, I don't feel like I was addicted in any way. Cause I, that literally Christmas Eve I drank the rest of my stash. On New Year's Eve I drank the rest of my stash. <laughs> and I didn't have any more drinks for the year of twenty nineteen, but it helped me to understand when was best for me to drink and when it wasn't. Um, I could kind of identify my mental state a little bit better of like, oh, okay, I'm socially drinking versus I feel bad and I want to drink, but I probably shouldn't drink. But yeah, it was just a lot of different things. And of course, mentally it was taxing and it was uh, overwhelming and it was, um, it was very hard. Um, and then at the end of 2019, I was able to get into therapy um but yeah but surprisingly go ahead i know it's so much go ahead we go hit that part yet because i want to dig into what you said there's one you said so much like i did (laughs) so from what i've heard about Mm -hmm. postpartum and kind of what you described just to give this like a recap a little bit because i even as you were talking i had kind of pulled up what postpartum psychosis is so so for everyone mm-hmm. that is not a mental health professional or doesn't know anything about it i can kind of explain this knowing the background on it um with having depression depression can look like and this probably is especially especially for for moms who are who are just having a baby you're coming off a lot of hormones i can also identify when i first got pregnant I went through a little bout of depression and mm-hmm. it was the emotion wave was so uncontrollable in my mind at the time that I felt like I just wasn't handling my emotions well. And because I didn't have like a lot of people to like say, what am I experiencing? Like y'all would tell me, Hey, that's normal. But I'm like, 
this don't feel normal. Okay, this this don't feel. <laughs> I don't like not having control of my emotions. It wasn't until I went back to therapy that I want to talk to my therapist because I get some tangible tools on how to deal with the emotional shifts that happen. So now when they happen, I'm more relaxed because it's not as mm -hmm. overwhelming. And I'm also able to verbalize what I'm feeling to be able to say what the trigger could be. So as it goes yeah. into depression related to postpartum, when you have the baby, I'm not there yet, but from what I've heard with postpartum depression, when you have the baby, your hormones are all over the place still because it's adjusting yes. the baby having been born. You're also like your mother hormone is kicking in, which is oxytocin, which is a love hormone, which if you're not getting a lot of, if you're not producing a lot of oxytocin, like that can impact you and baby's bonds, so on and so forth. And so the baby blues, like you said, is like a mild form of sadness or or what you because you're also adjusting to now not getting as much sleep having a new schedule mm -hmm. for you like you said with the first one it was a little bit different than this excuse me than the second one whereas the second one you have two kids bible two kids that you're having to manage and additionally with that trying to figure that out and so with depression that goes into like not wanting to get out the bed, losing interest in activities, having struggles mm -hmm. with taking baths, literally getting up and brushing your mm -hmm. teeth, literally. It's like yeah, normal things. Normal activities. And so then when it gets into psychosis, so I'm going to explain this a little bit deeper, that goes into a little bit of a higher thing because you can start having intrusive thoughts, which could be leading to like, wanting to hurt your child or um seeing or hearing things you that aren't there feeling very irritable um feeling like you gotta Delusion. do a whole lot mm -hmm. rapid rapid mood swings parrot be feeling paranoid like something bad is gonna happen um feeling as though you have difficulty communicating um um what else decrease in like i'm reading this, this is decrease decrease need for sleep or inability to sleep so if you're struggling mm -hmm. with those things, that's a little bit higher than um, in the depression stage. Definitely, definitely, definitely seek help because you might have yeah. to get either, like you said, hospitalization and or maybe even some medication to help cope with that. But you want to be very communicative about it because it does lead to other things if it's not treated. And you don't want to be exactly. able to, you don't want to not communicate if you're having these thoughts because there's a reason for it. And so mm -hmm. I just wanted to pivot with that a little bit and kind of provide some more background. And there's also uh, postpartum anxiety where you can be very anxious as well, mm -hmm. struggling with depression, but also just feeling very anxious and worried and nervous and all of those kinds of things as well so yeah just like you can have depression you can have the anxiety and sometimes they kind of just go pair and pair like mm -hmm. a lot of people have a lot of people that have depression have anxiety too um disorder i guess you could say it's a mood disorder it's so weird using these terminologies and languages but um <laughs> but having those things as well yeah yeah so in going with that then so talking about the way you cope did you know that you had postpartum depression so interesting enough, um, 
before I had Joseph, my husband is a paramedic and he came to me and he was like, Hey, if you start feeling these ways, like, like you don't, you know, like you don't want to hold Joseph or like you don't um, want to do things or you just like, like you want to be really mopey and these, he was like, please just let me know so we can at least keep communication open. So with Joseph, like I said, it was kind of more baby blue. So I was able to kind of be like, Hey babe, I, I'm, you know, I'm really exhausted and I'm tired of looking at you sleep. We got to figure something out. It was an easier fix in my opinion. Um, but with Gemma, it was just, I knew that, um, I can, I can say I was definitely irritable. I was very irritable because there was just so much going on. Um, I knew I wasn't normal. I guess that's, that's the best way to say it. I knew I wasn't normal. Um, I didn't know how to solve it. Um, and I just kept going with my day. So, um, yeah, everybody was pretty much really on edge <laughs> at the house because I just, I didn't know what to do, but I knew something wasn't right, but I also felt like I just need to get it together. Like with Joseph, I need to get it together. I got to figure out a fix, <laughs> but I like to, to, not to interrupt you, but insane that to say many times when we're struggling in general, like this is mm -hmm. like just saying with postpartum in general, when we have struggles with depression or anxiety, our first thought is just keep going and don't communicate mm -hmm. because I don't even know how to communicate what I need. And if I, exactly. say, if I say, I don't want to be around my kid, mom guilt can kick in of, I'm a bad mom, mm -hmm. I'm a bad parent, I'm not doing a good job, I'm a horrible parent. And if I say that, that further lets the identity of who I feel like I am already, I'm thinking about myself, be prevalent. So you try to avoid that, which in that avoidance further kind of puts you in that, that rabbit trail of I'm already not doing a good job or whatever you might think. Yep. And so you don't communicate, but what that does is it, it turns into a snowball effect of these internalized feelings on at a time that you don't express. And so in general, people may not express to their friends or family. They may have the support. They may have the people they can tell, but they don't say it because they don't want to look crazy or they don't want to, mm -hmm. that they're not doing a good job or whatever mm -hmm. and truly in all actuality what that is is like it's a cry for help but you sometimes just don't know how to verbalize it and the biggest thing that i can say is yeah. verbalize. i'm going yeah. to tell everybody okay. if i'm feeling if i ain't feeling it if, if i'm tired my mama and them know this okay let's just go <laughs> my mama knows i'm a napper she, she has told me this whole pregnancy i already know how you gonna be when baby boy gets here <laughs> I'm like, girl, I know I'm going to want to nap. Sleep dep deprivation. Allison, it don't work, huh? <laughs> it don't. Now, I probably will adjust, and I'm okay with the adjustment. I'm cool with that. But I also know me that naps are vital. So if I'm exhausted, <laughs> I'm going to be like, y'all, take this milk in the freezer that I'm going to pump. Yeah, make a bottle and let me go sleep oh. for three hours, okay, or something. 
or that you know what I'm saying? because it's just it's vital to have support but it's also vital to verbalize that you need support so kind yeah. of play into that not really saying anything that drove kind of mm-hmm. the desire to drink mm-hmm. yeah yeah that definitely drove it because it was you know something you kind of just pick up in college it's something that you just it's easy. It's easy. And I always had a supply because my husband was always buying it. So, you know, I had to shovel out no money. I was good. <laughs> and um, I just thought it was, yeah, I just thought it was just a, um, I guess number, number is a good way, a number or something that you can just like, oh, it's just going to just keep me level and be chill. But in reality, it was because um, alcohol is depressant. Um, so reality, it was really just bringing me down and it was making me more agitated. It was just increasing the emotions that I was already feeling. So in reality, it wasn't helping me at all. But <laughs> but um, it's, it's what I felt like I needed at the time. And it was, you know, it's like, okay, this, this is what, you know, this is the only solution that I have at this time. Because everything else is happening, I feel like I can't even, I can't even control it. But I can control this. Yeah. Everything I can't control, these two kids running around and screaming at the top of their lungs. And I want to take a bath. You got to take a bath. Like, it was just. I can't do anything about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> so you based, how did you overcome it? So with, um, also with the alcoholism or just, just some of the drinking, um, that was purely God speaking to me and just saying, yeah, you're not drinking for 2019. <laughs> okay. Cool. And it was, and like I said, I drank my stash and I didn't drink for the entirety of 2019. And um, with how was that? To say? And it wasn't. I mean, looking back, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But um, there were definitely some moments where, like, you know, you go out, or uh, you know, Jay and I, we, you know, we would drink together. And he was like, "Oh, I got no drinking, buddy." Like, this is just, this is just, and it kind, it made me feel bad because it's like. Girl, let me tell you, that's how Nico was when I told him I wasn't drinking. Because you, you remember when I told yeah. you, I said, oh, baby, yeah. in November, in November 2019, so nobody, I haven't really told you all my pregnancy story yet, but November 2019, I was like, I'm not drinking until I get pregnant. Like, I'm, I'm not, well, I'm not drinking until I get pregnant. I'm not drinking at all in faith that I'm going to be pregnant. So I was like, if I don't drink, if yeah. I get pregnant in November 2020, baby, I'm not drinking all 2020. Yeah. And Nico was like, <laughs> I can't go have a drink with my wife. You not pregnant right now. So what's going on? Like, why can't I drink with you? And I'm just like, because I'm standing in faith that we're gonna be pregnant. He's like, you just doing the most. You doing the most. I'm like, no. <laughs> I am believing for us to have a baby. And I was so serious about that because I was just like, no. So he drinking buddy, I get it. Even now he's like, Yeah, well, my drinking because he told his coworker the other day, he was like, my drinking partner is pregnant right now, so you know what I'm saying. So, but in same say, like yeah. it was so serious about standing in faith that I was gonna mm-hmm. be pregnant. It's like I'm treating my body as if I'm already pregnant. That includes I'm not oh, drinking. Girl. So yeah, the men, the men really yeah. be, like impacted. <laughs> they really be. They really. I. I. He gave me so much guilt, so much guilt because I wouldn't drink with him. And and then he even tried to, because he can be a little bit of a butthole, but he even tried to take it to a level. He was just like, 
oh, so you're not fun anymore? Uh, don't try me. Don't. <laughs> Don't even try me, sir. Okay, don't do it. He's like, okay, well, I'm, well, I'm gonna happy hour, babe. I'm like, oh, so you're just gonna go without me? He's like, well, you can't drink. What's the point? I mean, I'm like, I can have right, okay. Girl, just Charlie Temple. <laughs> exactly. So, so with it though, like, so overcoming it, and and here's the thing: you were obedient. I was. Yeah, I was. I think because you know sometimes you feel like you're unsure but that I knew that I'm like okay that's God he's giving me a command and in 2018 the year before it was actually whenever I decided I was going to become I was going to actually build a relationship with God like my own relationship and do my work so um, I knew that was him I knew that I should probably be obedient in this and that's pretty much I was just like okay like I got to do this and so, um, yeah, there's probably only like two instances in 2019 where like somebody handed me the wrong glass or I even just tried to sip and like, oh, okay, let me just, and it was just, I just had to spit it back out. Shout out. I was like, I can't even take a sip. Like, it's so yeah. it, it just didn't work. But um, yeah. Well, what did you see shift? What did you see shift when you stopped, especially with your mental health? What did you see shift? Sure. I just got more, um, I would say I got more clarity. So that that 2019 was a lot for my family. So in March, I pretty much had a hissy fit up and quit my job. So my, um, sorry, pretty much up and just quit my job. So my husband was mad at me all of 2019 because he felt like I just left him to deal with finances. Um, because of that, because of us not talking, um, I racked up credit card debt because I was still paying for my portion of the bills, um, but I was putting on credit cards. So I racked up a whole bunch of credit card debt. Um, but I felt like I was just like in this in this zen mood where I was just like, God's going to take care of everything. Like I was just so knowing, I was so believing that like God is just going to turn everything around. Everything was going to be fine and it's going to be great. And he told me to start this business and I'm going to do it. And I was just like, oh, it's just going to be great. It's just going to be wonderful. And um, <laughs> come September, I got a job. I was making more money, but we had to sell our house, pay off credit card debt. And we had, we moved, now we live with, his, um, in, with uh, my in-laws for about a year. And so it was just, um, it was just a lot. So although I was obedient and not drinking, and although I had clarity and I was building this relationship with God, I was also going through a lot of turmoil personally. And it was just, it was just, it was hard. It was really hard because whenever I say my husband was mad at me, him was mad at me. <laughs> we we were not in a good place in our marriage. So it took a lot of rebuilding. But it, if anything, it helped me to gain gain clarity on when I should and shouldn't drink, if anything. Um, and it helped me to see that my behavior was not normal. And I really needed to somehow dig deeper into what needed to be done. And, uh, and, and then before I even got my job, I was telling everybody, I was like, yo, I'm looking for me a job at a big company, okay? Because I need therapy. <laughs> So if anything, it helped me gain that clarity and helped me realize that like, no, I need, I need, I need therapy. <laughs> like I'm not okay. <laughs> I'll walk you through this because like, so what happened was 
it kind of sounds like a lot of even like you said the behavior shifted to other things like I gotta figure out my emotions so I'm just gonna quit this job or so I can feel okay but then spending money and like racking up credit card debt which impacted marriage like there was just kind of this all these things of just emotions having to deal and it impacted every area and so like I like what you said about you said turmoil personally that you realized that although you weren't drinking you were recognizing my behavior in general it's not healthy like what I'm doing currently is not providing a healthy space within my marriage but also like for me personally in general and so with Mm -hmm. that and going into that and also just realizing that because that that can be a very like sometimes we deflect and say it's everybody else's fault that this is happening it's everybody else's reason for this is happening and it's not until and 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 people say this all the time it's not until you decide that you want to change that you actually change but really like Truly, it wasn't until Allison decided I'm changing that you really change. But I love how you were yeah. very transparent about that because I don't. I think that sometimes we we try to deal with our emotions. People talk about drinking, smoking, whatever. But we could even deal with our emotions and spending money, being mm-hmm. super discontent with where we're at, and so we just impulsively move and make decisions, not really like thinking through the process we i know for me like well my coping mechanism really before i got mm-hmm. healthy, eating like baby child up until really i got therapy that was 2016 to 2018 it was eating and it was hor- it was mm. so hard for me and it was also like i gotta look good i gotta look good so i racked up credit card debt and we don't realize that we are, you know, using these things sometimes to try to replace and fill a void, but we're not understanding that our behavior and what we do can be impactful to our lives. Like, okay, so you wrapped up yeah. debt and ended up having to sell your house to be able to pay those things, but it brought you back to this like stopping point of I have to get me together. Because if I don't get it together, I'm not going to be good for the, my kids and, you know, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, like, talking with this to um, someone with your background, because I'm I'm discovering a lot of things, even as I'm talking to you about it. It's like, what did I realize whenever I didn't stop drinking? It's like, what did I? What did I? And it's like, yo, like, this was some, even if I was like, I, I racked up a whole bunch of credit card debt, doing the math. I spent more than double of what I should have spent just paying regular utility bills. And more than that, I was just, oh, well, I already got it. Charge, charge it. I already, <laughs> I already spent this money. Let's do some more. Let's do some. I was just doing everything. But again, it goes back to there are probably other reasons of why you're doing certain coping mechanisms and doing certain things as to um, and versus what you think. Like you may think, oh, I'm just, I just Girl. have a, sh- uh, a shopping problem. Listen. I just do online shopping. No, 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 but you're really hurting. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. When I was spending my little credit card, you couldn't, you, couldn't pay me, you couldn't pay me to get a credit card now and not pay it off. Like I got my little Target red card 
two weeks ago. That was my first credit card since I paid off my JCPenney card. Only reason I get, did it because it was 5% off. But even when I go to Target, I'm planning my spending. So as soon as I use that card, yeah. it's paid off. Y'all not yeah, 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 yeah. getting none of this coin. Okay, but my mentality when I was spending at the time was, oh, I can pay this back. Oh, I can pay this back. Oh, I can pay this back. Oh, it's just $100. Oh, it's just 75 bucks. Oh, it's this. But that, those little itty bitty expenses, girl, it added up to $5,000. And so when it got when to me- that point, and when Nico and I got married and we were talking about our finances, it was, I know we talking about money, but this is the whole thing. It's cool. It's cool. It was, yeah, yeah. And we started to really work through our financial issues or really just like together our finances. He was like, you're a spender. Why do you spend? And it would be like stuff like I would sneak to go spend and buy something. <laughs> and he would just be like, why, babe? Like, where is this coming from? And it was a comfort, it was a yeah. comfort mechanism unknowingly to just have stuff until he was mm-hmm. like, when you start seeing that our money is going to nothing, when I started seeing us having to pay $800 a month to a credit card to pay it off, and it's literally Ooh. going to dust, it's going to nowhere. It's, yes, it's pushing this number down, but it's going to nowhere. I realized. Yeah. You don't need as much as you think you need, but also too, what is the thing that I'm trying to get from spending this money or using these other coping mechanisms? So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, girl. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of wanted to go back also to what you were saying, how you always place the blame on other people. I used to blame Jay for everything that went wrong. Jay got blamed so much. I, I'm surprised the man's still with me because <laughs> these them first, I was probably, so we've been married for four years. It was four years in August, so last month. Um, I would say a good two and a half, three years. I just, everything that happened was his fault, and I didn't realize it because I knew everything. I knew how to manage money. I knew what a good relationship should be. I knew this. I knew that I do that I knew where he should bank okay you should bank where I bank okay I knew everything and you couldn't teach me nothing I am the cultured one okay I'm the one that's traveled outside the country I have done these things and hmm child I I ain't got hit in the face so many times what's not like physically but like in reality because it's just like bruh like it was not it was now it's so many things i've learned from him with just being a parent it's so many things i've learned from him and managing money it's so many things i've learned from him and um patience and understanding and that's i know we're gonna get into it but that, that was part of my therapy journey too but it was just like it was just so much that i was blaming him for that i was doing in my life to myself because we don't deal with it because we don't deal exactly when, when you exactly. deflect when you girl that was me too like i promise i say all the time if i didn't get therapy before nico and i got married baby listen <laughs> listen listen hot mess Elisha, hot thing. mess express okay so this hot mess was a hot mess and yeah. so i say that because 
when you don't deal, you're going to bleed on everybody else. And you're mm-hmm. going to say, well, why are you bleeding on me? Like, you have to deal with it. Because when you start facing you, you realize I am, I, I realized I was so selfish. I was so powerful, mm-hmm. Allison. I was so self-righteous, judgmental, okay? Lack of compassion. That selfishness and pride were like the top two things. And I didn't realize I was placing all that on my husband. And and at times still do because you, you know, you get into these moments and you still like struggle and you don't Mm -hmm. have compassion. And so it gets to a place and, and on top of having to probably deal with postpartum for you on top of that. And managing two yeah. kids, raising two kids. So it becomes a lot. So, okay, so switching gears and going into talking about your therapy experience, mm-hmm. what, was that, what was that like for you? What was the thing that made you, one, decide you wanted to go? Um, I think just like we kind of how we talked about, just gaining the clarity. So you started therapy. Just from getting the clarity. I started therapy last November, so November 2019. So it's almost a year. And, um, like I said, I, I was just kind of at the point where I was just like, I'm not, I'm not good. And I need to handle some stuff from the past. I need to handle some stuff recently. Um, I need to handle some stuff and it's more than just me. I I can't deal with it. I need somebody to literally help me and walk me through. And it was also from talking with people like you, um, from talking with, um, other, I have another friend who, whom's a therapist from talking to different people. And it's just like, you may need to explore that option. It was like, yeah, you're probably right. And so um, I just knew that one, me getting this job, I had to have some benefits so I could pay for therapy. And then um, I just knew I had to get it together because also in my reflection time in 2019, I realized that Jay and I have never had a chance to be us as a married couple. So we're dealing with, so this is let me give you my timeline so my timeline was in 2016 we got married in august we moved in i finally moved all my stuff in to his parents house this is the second time living with his parents okay just i'm not planning on coming back no more um (laughs) we moved into his parents house in october we had our son in november so within four months i went from being a single person to a wife to a mom and moved in with somebody that I've never lived with before because we didn't live together before. Um, so learning habits, learning how a person lives, learning, trying to figure out um, being a mom and stuff. And then whenever you kind of get things good, we moved out. We kind of get things like, okay, we're, we're kind of normal. Getting back into this merry thing, you know. Okay, son, sleep, go off into the, you know, do some little things over here. We're happy. I'm pregnant again. <laughs> And uh, now we now we're going through all these hormones, everything again, and I have a baby, and it's like we never got a chance to be married, and so that was another layer on top of everything. We never got a chance to be a couple, and so we're just now doing that. I could probably say at the end of last year to this year, we're just now getting to a point where we are like, okay, let's talk about some things and let's get ourselves together. It so. That was yeah, but yeah. yeah so, so y'all that, single folk, so, y'all single folk hearing this, y- y'all hearing <laughs> y'all talk about being married, baby girl. Yeah, you dream about children. Yo, it, listen, it's work, baby. It's work. It's so much work. And and it's I so even just say like, 
four months from going single, married, to having a baby, baby. Baby. My hat, my hat, if I have one, goes off to you, sis, because I remember switching from girlfriend to fiance. We got married and got, we got engaged and got married in the year. So I got engaged March 11th. 2017 we were married march 12th 2018 oh child y'all was to the date a oh, year to the day <laughs> and literally that mental shift that mental shift was a mm-hmm. lot for me so to think about oh, yeah. going into then moving in with somebody then being a mom like all those things spiraling it's work you don't like nobody tells you about it's a real it and being somebody's wife it was oh yeah you had a whole year to plan a wedding i had a month and a half girl <laughs> and then we, we planned a whole wedding and we a month and a half until <laughs> we didn't get pregnant until two and a half years no i got conceived like, yeah. I, I conceived um uh, uh two years literally after we got married so we had two years yeah. of time together and i'm gonna tell you we needed all them two years together by ourselves. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, my parents, I know whenever my parents got married, they were seven years together before they had me. So I was just, I was like, well, at least y'all had time. You need it because you don't realize there is such an adjustment period in going and getting married. You, you Like money, just figuring out finances takes, it took us yeah. a whole year. That was a whole year, year ordeal. Then just learning habits, learning and understanding each other's communication style, learning and understanding how my husband operates, learning and understanding the way he likes his personal time, how I like my personal time. Like I think about baby boy coming into this, we're a little bit, we are set in that communication wise. I know how he communicates. I know those things. And there's probably more that I'll learn as, as far as when he, when baby gets here, but for my single people, understand, sis. Yeah. Don't rush it if you don't have to, because nah. it is it is such an adjustment period to being somebody's wife. And then on top of that, Allison, it, you becoming somebody's mama. Oh mommy. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh so, mommy. <laughs> so going into that, after kind of going through that timeline, like how did you get to where you were like, I need to go to therapy? Yeah, because I was, I was just, um, I can't even tell you what like my breaking point was, quote unquote. I just, I think it just hit me that I was like, no, I need therapy. And it got to the point to where I was just saying it out loud all the time. I need therapy. No, no, no. Like I need to, like, I need to find a job because I need therapy. No, like I need to do this because I need therapy. No, no, I'm going to stay in this room and not deal with that because I need therapy. Like, I just started saying it so much. And um, I actually went back to a podcast episode I recorded with a friend, and I looked on, like, Black um, Therapy for Black Girls. I went on to psychology.com, looked for therapists, and I found one close to me. I found one with everything I was looking for. She was a Black woman. She was a mom. She was a wife. And she was a Christian. That's what I was looking for. I'm like, I need you to be me but with education in this field because I need somebody that can relate to me on all levels, every single level. And so um, I did, and it was 
the best decision. And it took a while, I think, and I'm sure you've mentioned this before, like, but like your first month or so, four to six weeks, y'all really getting to know each other. Like, it's just you getting comfortable with a stranger that you, you know, you're ready to open up these different facets of your life. And I laid everything out with the yeah. first two sessions. My therapist was hitting me hard session three. <laughs> oh, so this is how you're going to do me? Or you just going to snatch my <laughs> Okay. But it does take, it does yeah. take a while just to even get comfortable to be like, yeah. open up to you. But talk about these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was just um, after I did get somewhat comfortable and talking with her and we would laugh and stuff like that. And then she would be like, okay, well, then this happened to the like, Oh, you just going to come in for me. Like after we did laugh and kiki. Okay. Yes. Well, didn't God tell you to do this? Why are you remembering stuff more than I do? <laughs> listen, okay. They get paid to listen. Why are you bringing stuff back up? Yes. Girl, so, like, so ah. How did, like, how did therapy, um, well, let me ask you this question. What trauma did you discover throughout your process? Um, I, I discovered that I actually had sexual trauma. I just, because I never thought of it that way. Um, some things that I had gone through, and I'm talking about as a small child. Um, it was one of those things. It was one of those things where you go, "Why me?" And did I allow this to happen to me? And um, it was. It, it was. Yeah, I discovered. And after I told her what had happened, so I was like, "I want to address some of these things that have happened." I just came out with it and talked to her about it. And I was like, "Well, I kind of want to talk about these things a little blah." And she was like, "Oh, okay. She has sexual trauma." Who? No, no, no. I think of sexual trauma as like rape, like that sexual trauma to me. Um, but what I had been through was, um, I didn't think it was that. But she was like, no, no, like it's probably that. And it was like, maybe it was. And maybe that is why I act a certain way. Maybe that is why in college, whenever I would get upset, I would start sleeping with people. Maybe it's why, maybe, maybe that is a reason of why I act a certain way towards my husband, because I'm really thinking about this situation over here. And um, so uh, that's probably the biggest thing that I discovered in therapy was that I probably actually have sexual trauma that I need to deal with and forgive myself for it. If I'm shaming and guilting myself for it, um, and say like it wasn't your fault. If anything, and my therapist pointed out, she was like, "If anything, we need to figure out what's wrong with this little person over here." And while they felt like in pre in pre K and kindergarten that y'all should be having these type of experiences, I was like, never thought of it that way. Yeah, because never thought of it that way. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go there just for a second. We don't mm-hmm. know, like. And I say this, and y'all know I preach this. I have a whole podcast on it. We don't know at times what seeds are being planted early on. And we don't know how those seeds can impact us in adulthood. And we also don't know that when we don't deal with those things, how much it impacts us later on in life. And how remnants of those things can become factors into our emotions, such as rejection, 
such as prom- mm-hmm. like just sexual promiscuity, just being promiscuous, like not knowing yeah. exposure early on. And that made, and, and truly you're like thinking like, oh, this isn't a big deal, but yeah. no, like that early on can have impacted or it impacts the way you deal emotionally with things. And so it, it, mm-hmm. it really, really plays a role in how we handle emotions, but also like, mm-hmm. And just thinking, and I don't know this to be true, but just like in thinking in marriage, like sex is a thing. Like sex is yeah. a part of the sex. Is you part, have to have sex in marriage. Part of the territory, okay. And so when you have <laughs> sex in marriage, you are literally like, you are having that experience with your husband. Sometimes it's not always the easy, you know. Okay, I'm saying. Sometimes you don't want to do it if you've had that. You know. Moment. <laughs> in the past and so rejection and we deal with rejection we deal with um wanting to be like loved on and just all of those things mm-hmm. can be impactful and so even like with asking like trauma did you discover did you ever even find did you struggle with rejection did you struggle with disappointment did oh yeah you struggle with unforgiveness abandonment yeah yeah all those different things. Yes, exactly. Struggle with um, intimacy. Struggle with building connections. Um, I'm being used to, I even told Jay, and I didn't realize this may have connected this to it, but I even told Jay our first year together, I'm not going to open up to you until we've been together for at least a year. Because I'm used to any type of relationship after the first year going up. So I should have told him that you got about a year for me to really start to open up to you. And not even that is tied to heartbreak in the past. So again, yep. I go back and I say this, y'all, I say this all the time. Yes, Christians can even struggle with uh, forgiveness, all these things, and we, we don't know mm-hmm. until we dig it up and, t- and talk through it. And so... yeah it festers and so so i think so with that though with with the impact of knowing like having these things how has therapy helped with you talking through some of that because girl i was in therapy two years with the stuff i was dealing with and and then went back yeah all right (laughs) we're almost going into like two and a half years but with that like how did therapy help you therapy has helped me um really look at I guess you could say mental health and life in a different perspective um in in scheduling things out I guess you could say and realizing my triggers that's probably a big one um in facing reality on some things because there's definitely been times where like I said even where I was blaming Jay for a lot of stuff and her you know <laughs> she was just I feel like she just has like this little book that she would just like like a little bag and then whenever I would say something she was like I got a worksheet for that so we're going to go through this worksheet real quick and we're going to see which one of these words best identifies what you're feeling right now or um we even talked about like perfectionism and what category of perfectionism do you I I didn't know there were categories I didn't know there were I didn't know and like she just pulled out all this stuff and was like okay whenever I was stressing out at work we talked about um work self-care kits whenever um, I actually went through a mental breakdown uh, at the end of July. She and 
praise God, I already had a therapist. So whenever I was going, whenever I was having all these thoughts, and that's a, a detailed story in itself, but whenever I was having these thoughts of wanting to just numb myself with, with pills and medication, um, and although I was communicating how I was feeling and that I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't feeling right, but I was trying to be obedient to my husband as a good wife, a good wife, um, and stay at this job, even though I was stressed out beyond all means. And then I get to a point to where I want to numb myself because my mind is just racing. I can't sleep. I haven't eaten in two weeks. I haven't slept in the past three nights. And I feel like nobody's listening to me. So I just want to numb myself. When, and even though I'm a fixer, that's, that's my perfectionism, I'm a fixer. Um, luckily, I had a therapist who I could just text and say, I'm not having normal thoughts to my, about myself. Um, I'm doing this, and I'm going to keep doing this until I feel numb. Luckily, at 1130 at night, my therapist, who I already built a relationship with, called me, because she just so happened to look at her phone, called me and was like, hey, we need to talk through this. Hey, you need to go to the hospital. Hey, there are things going on. And she was just with me every single step of the way, and I appreciate her for, for all of that. But um, it's it's really just being um, my best word to describe. It's really like having that friend that won't judge you, but is so educated that she can really help you through some things and help you take what you're going through and, like, really, we're going to walk through this step first. And then next week, if you come back, we're going to do this step. And then we're going to go through this step. And we're going to do this. And I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to hold you accountable. And because I want you to make you and have you do progress. Because you can't go to therapy unless you're ready. Oop, say it again. You can't. For the people in the back, one more time. You can't go to therapy unless you're ready to really do the work. We just had we just had a moment of silence. We we just had a moment of silence. <laughs> How many times have I said this, y'all? <laughs> you can't go to therapy unless you're ready to do the work, baby. No. Okay, back on. Unless you're ready to really hear some stuff, child. I, I want to take that little itty bitty piece situation <laughs> you can talk through and come back, and we're gonna rev it back around to this because I want to. Yeah. I want to touch point. You know, our father in this as well. Okay, yeah. That allows you to see again how you cope and have someone walk you through that process. Many times mm-hmm. coping, and we don't have a soundboard. We don't have anybody saying, Are you okay? Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, deal with it. Oh, just do it. Oh, just go. And like you said, you were so stressed out to the point where you were just like, look, I'm going to even just, I'm going to make myself feel better since everybody else is kind of just not hearing me and not hearing what I got to say. Yeah. I'm going to just make myself. Ain't nobody listening. Because I Mm -hmm. just. And what that did was it initiated you seeking out help to then further be able to get the help you need to get back on track. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so so with that, again, that's further even showing the layers. Again, y'all, I say this all the time, we don't know the layers of sometimes how much we are dealing with that we have never been equipped. We've never been, we may never have been equipped to handle. Mom and daddy didn't teach us yeah. when you feel this way, what you do. 
I know my mama didn't. My mama was Mm-mm. like, girl, you right. Or go pray. You good. Or seek the father or something of that nature. Or talk to me. Or guilt you. Or, ooh, baby girl. Listen. Or guilt you. Because I, I was told. We ain't got the kind of time, sis. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because I was told. Let me, look, real quick, let me tell you. Because I was told that I'm not happy in my job. I'm mentally stressed out. Well, I was just happy that I had a job back in my day. Oh. Okay. Okay. That girl. <laughs> And, and here's the thing, and that becomes the narrative that we believe. So then we mm-hmm. start to then shame ourselves for not being grateful. We shame ourselves for yeah. not feeling like I'm good enough. We shame ourselves for these things, but I'm literally having reactions to this environment that don't seem healthy. And I don't genuinely know what to do at this point. And so yeah. that's why people get put on their put off their jobs for um time off because their body is reacting to the stress and the doctor says you need time off let me give you time off towards me and so that's what i'm saying so like if my body is reacting to this this is not healthy i remember when i worked a job girl and i oh yeah i was literally so stressed i would walk into the job with body aches this is when i first graduated from grad school my my, I mean, um, undergrad, my first job out of college. Yeah. And I was literally stressed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet and body aches because the environment Girl. was so stressful. And so with that, though, these are things that you could be physically experiencing, still be a Christian and still mm-hmm. want to seek counseling and may not even know and somebody telling you to... Like, oh, God's going to take care of it. Yes, God can. But sometimes God will offer and have other people walk you through this process. He talks about mm-hmm. the body. The ram in the bush. Yes, amen. So talk about how did therapy impact your relationship with God? Ooh, therapy impacted my relationship with God um, in the sense that so I, did, I was doing more journaling. I think that was the first step with me, really. I'm seeing so I did more journaling. Um, I had to realize that because I was going to therapy um, didn't mean that there was something wrong with me, didn't mean that I was crazy. It just meant that, because um, you hear that too, you, if you go to therapy, you're crazy or something wrong with you. Um, but it was just the fact that I just need, needed a different type of uh, assistance. <laughs> I needed somebody else um, in my life to help me through those things and that it was okay and that God didn't want me to struggle. God wants you to rest. God wants you to be at peace and God wants you to be um, in a good, healthy place so that you are able to manage different things. Because if you can't manage what you have now, and it's okay if you can't, that's why we're talking about therapists, that's why we're talking about different resources. Um, it's not that there's something wrong with you, but God just needs you to be open to different things. Because in you being open to new resources and to different things, then you are now being able to be open to more of what he's requesting of you. 
of what he of what he really needs from you. So yeah, it can it can really just go there. <laughs> I mean, it can really be um that thing where you're just thinking like, I just I don't I'm I'm not like it can really get to a point where you feel like you can fix everything, you can do everything because you're super mom, you're super woman, and you've got this, and it's okay, but then you crash. Period. <laughs> and and when you crash, most of the time you burn. And that's and as a as a woman, you are probably already wearing multiple hats even before you came a mom. You're already wearing multiple hats. So if you crash and burn, so these other hats that you were wearing crash and burn as well. So you have to be sure that you yourself, you are taking care of yourself first and foremost because um, an analogy I always use is that a car cannot run on fumes. You have to have gas. So if you don't have no gas in your tank, you are literally running off fumes. So if you're sleeping, you're tired. And there's going to be times where you're going to be sleeping and tired, right? Yeah, I had to stay up last night because they had a runny nose and they was coughing. And, um, you know, it, yeah, I'm tired today. When we're talking about, like, continuous exhaustion, we're talking about all the time. We're talking about whenever you, you know, your mind is not right, whenever you're just going through um, the day just to go through the day. I'm waking up to finish the day. Like, whenever you're going through all these different things, it's okay to realize that you need another layer of help. It's okay to say, it's okay as a Christian to say, I need another layer of help because God wouldn't create these people to say these great words to you, to have these other resources to help you out if, um, if if, if you weren't meant to use it. And that's just even now. It's been three weeks since I've seen my therapist, and it was even a. I'm. I was just like, I'm not. I just can't do therapy now because financially, my ther- I got a new insurance company. My therapist found my insurance company, and I don't want to switch. Not at this time. I don't want to. But I'm like, I can't go to therapy anymore because I can't pay for the session. But it's been three weeks, and I'm like, well, I'm work about <laughs> three hours more at work, so I can, <laughs> so I can work this out because I'm like, no, I I, I need this. I need this. I do. I do, because I done been through all the little stuff I done went through in three weeks, and I'm like, I need to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> and but you, it's okay. And it's okay. That, though, but I want to say, you said some good things. You said God doesn't want us this tired. Nah, I mean, it says in the Bible. It's in Psalms. Like, literally. <laughs> and so, so in thinking about this, again, it helps you to see, like, I'm not made to be tired like this all the time but not only that I'm also at a point where I have to deal with what is making me stressed what is making me overwhelmed what is making me at this point of burnout what is making me even feel like shamed about the fact that I have to do all these things and and try to try to fit this hat that the world creates for us to make us think that if I'm not this person or if I'm not this way, that God disapproves of me or that I am not good enough to be his kid because I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And God wants our well-being. It's, the, Bible says, the Bible says that I pray you prosper as your soul prospers. If my soul is going to prosper... I need my soul to be at a place of peace. Like Jesus said, peace I leave with you. And so I'm glad you said that because it, because 
we can create these these standards of ourselves thinking that God's placing these things on us and truly God wants our soul to be at rest he wants uh, he wants us to be at a place of peace so going with that how do you think that um this process helped you build your relationship with God oh um I'm I'm still I'm having different revelations right but even what I just said, um, that God doesn't want us to be tired, overwhelmed, and stressed, and to struggle, and to endure, um, sometimes it's just the simple fact of God's like, I I meant for you to endure. I meant for you to um, go, yeah, we already knew you were going to go through some things, but I didn't mean for it to go in a way that you kind of just force this endurance on yourself. Like, I wanted you to do it in a way that you still called on me and you still depended on me. And whenever things got a little rough or a lot of rough, that you still called on me. So I'm still kind of learning that lesson in a sense because um, I'm still in that process of, um, you know, like, okay, like, I don't need to fix it. (laughs) I don't need to fix it. I can just be like, okay, Lord coming to you today and we want to have this prayer time and this quiet time and this dedication. Dedication is a thing. Um, so th- those, it's, it's teaching me that some different things that I may be like, you know, like a defensive mechanism or different mechanisms that I may have developed or different traumas I may have endured um, can prevent me from not only personal relationships, but spiritual relationships. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. It's just really breaking down some of these past traumas and past things that I've gone through so that not only that I can heal and be better to my husband and to my kids, but I can have a better relationship with God. Because where I, like I say, where I may have been defensive because I'm used to being abandoned, and I don't want to let go of that, and I'm still working on that, but I don't want to let go of that and give it to somebody because then you could just, just really break me up and just tear me down. I can't do that with God. And so um, that's, that's probably the biggest, those are probably the biggest things that I have learned and am still going through because I even had a whole, I had to have a whole talk to myself probably last week. <laughs> last week and just tell myself like, okay, like we are going to get ourselves back together because um, this is not um, what God had for us, and um, we're just pretty messing up, you know, messing ourselves up. So we need to get it back together. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate your transparency about all this because it gives a a true, raw testament to the healing process. The healing process the process in which we have to deal with stuff and it's so good. So, so one, I just want to say thank you for that. And two, thank you for being on the podcast, sis. Thank you for inviting me, Pooh. Thank you. I appreciate it. So where can the people find you at? Yes, peoples. And so um, I am on Instagram um, at the calling FM, um, T-H-E-C-A-L-L-I-N-G. FM. And um, that's from what you can find everything about me um, at this point. Or you can send me an email um, at your, Jesus, I haven't had to get this out in a while. Sorry. Your BFF. We haven't been socialized, child. Um, <laughs> your BFF at mommies, M O M M Y S, move.com. 
All right. Well, I will have all of Allison's information below for you all. Thank you so much, Allison. I have enjoyed this conversation thoroughly, sis. And thank you. Y'all soon. Bye. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.